across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? Delicious. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with Alan Alder, Sue Bailey and me, Matt Bentman. Now here's a brief rundown of today's show. There's been a lot in the news recently about possible food shortages. We'll find out how it may affect supplies of meat locally. There's no price at all for foraging food, of course. And Steve Thompson, the foraging chef, will be here with his October foraging tips. We'll also be finding out about Squire Tickell a real innovator who ran the Tickle Arms in Whittlesford in the 1970s. There's a new cafe-stroke-restaurant that's opened recently on Hills Road. It's called Low Carbo, and we'll be checking that out later. And we'll have lots of food news and some rather nice jobs too. They'll be right at the end of the programme. But first, these are difficult times for food suppliers. There's been a lot in the news this week about shortages of food and empty supermarket shelves caused by a lack of lorry drivers and recent difficulties in getting fuel. Gas prices are very high too, which makes heating glass houses, where a lot of food is grown, very expensive. And there's also been a shortage of carbon dioxide, which is used in the large abattoirs on pigs before slaughter. And there's a shortage of abattoir workers. The result of this has been pigs being left for too long on the farm, growing too big for their pens and causing a lack of space. So culling the pigs by burning them is the result. I asked John West of the Art of Meat in Arbury Court whether this will lead to shortages of pork and higher prices. Personally, it has no effect on my supply or most small to medium independent butchers. The people it will affect are the multinationals and the big chain supermarkets because it is only businesses of that sort of size where they use these processes. I actually spoke to my wholesaler um, H.G. Blakes who are out in Norfolk they gave me a very good broad picture most small to medium sized abattoirs will use electro stunning and not CO2 where it is proving a shortage is in packaging for example for supermarkets or for bigger stores and again for large kills of poultry personally I see this as a knock-on effect from centralisation, which is, you know, what what most big multinationals want because they want one cent- a small number of large abattoirs, distribution centres, and then bring stuff around the country. So they've made a bit of a rod for their own back with their their own processes. Well, that's that's very good news for you and your customers then. Yeah, I mean, because we. Because we're a small independent and we specialise in the quality end of the market, we pay a premium to small local producers for the best quality product, 
we pay a higher price than any of the big multinationals would be willing to pay on the basis that we want to keep our, our suppliers in business and we think that everyone should have a, a share of the pie. You know, everyone needs to make a profit all the way down the line. So, um, and that reflects in their practices and the people they deal with. So generally, I think if you go to small independents and, and actual traditional butchers, there should not be any issues whatsoever. Okay, but the people who who generally buy things from supermarkets will no doubt land on small independent butchers and start buying up all the all the stock. So uh, are you able to get extra? It depends when you're talking about. If it's, if it's for Christmas, well, this year, because it's a small business and the same with many other businesses, we will have a cut-off point in terms of numbers. We have got finite storage space, so um, it will be... When the books are closed, the books are closed. And I think that's going to be pretty common across the industry. I'm on several butchers' forums, and um, yeah, the word, word countrywide is people will close their books at a certain stage, and, and that's that. At the end of the day, we would rather um, give satisfaction to those who take the time to book early and think about things than, and, than <laughs> let down a lot of people by So people need to get their orders in then. John also made the point that a lot of people over-order for Christmas and that on Boxing Day they're faced with a mountain of food to eat up. He suggests going for high quality, not high quantity. But what about how the various shortages are affecting restaurants? I spoke with Ollie Thane from Cam's Cuisine. I hate to say we're all right. There's so many variables out there right now and I would never sit here comfortably and say we're all right because... There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with gas. There's a lot going on with with the pandemic still. There is stuff out there with supply, but pork, uh, our, our meat supplier, very much control Dingley Dell as well. They're, they're big investors in the in the pork farm down near Woodbridge. So they're able to still deploy pork to us without any trouble at the moment. Chickens may be harder in the future. I'm mm. hoping turkey's going to be all right for Christmas, but if we can't yeah. get it, then then yeah. I'm pretty certain others won't. It's the companies that are using big national chains that d- deliver their food in one go. They're the ones that will struggle more than, more than any. Local is really, really important. Local and fresh. Where, where you've got a company that uses food that's being put together in a central kitchen in Birmingham, let's just say, and they rely on big deliveries from there, that's yeah. where they're really struggling. We're more van. Having local suppliers is of, of benefit. Mm, real benefit. Yeah, let's hope coming towards Christmas that uh, things will be getting better and perhaps people need to start thinking now about booking up ready for Christmas. Local turkeys, local produce, and start thinking ahead even now. It'll be nice for everyone to be able to get back together and I celebrate know. again. It's always been our thing to sort of come out here before Christmas to have a oh, nice, nice time, so yeah. Nice. 
Mike Malloy of Malloy's Craft Butchery in Station Place is also bothered by the issue of needless pig culling and is offering a pig rescue service. I mean, for us, it's heartbreaking. When we just made a public promise that if anyone has pigs that are being culled needlessly, if we can, we're going to go and pick them up and bring them back to our farm uh, just to help with sustainability and to make sure that we do the right thing. Super important to us. Yes, it is an extraordinary waste of food, isn't it? Massively. And I understand that labour shortages are one thing, but to slaughter pigs like that and incinerate them is just not the right way to do it. Um, so whatever we can do to help. If you know any pig farmers, um, please get in touch with us and we'll do what we can to save them. On to our first news break now. And with the cold weather comes the good news that Riad Valvo, a.k.a. Bumble and Oak, is back making chocolates again. And Fiona McDuff of Fiona Patisserie is also about to restart. Check their Instagram pages for details. But if it's not chocolate but fish that you're after, City Boys are back too from their summer break. They're at the Plough in Shepworth tonight, Saturday, from 5 until 9.15pm. Actually, they're also there right now, that's Saturday afternoon, until 3pm. The Plough in Shepworth has also started its Sunday roasts, and they have a vegetarian roast available too. The Stove Café in Bourne has its Christmas menu on Thursday and Friday evenings in December. Two courses for £22.50 and three for £29.50. The menu can be seen on their website and to book, email info at thestovebourne.co.uk. The Cambridge Cheese Company in All Saints Passage has just received the first of this season's very delicious Vacheran Mont d'Or. And Meadows in Eltersley Avenue is selling it now too. Cambridge Mushrooms, which deliver fresh mushrooms picked that day, has a Christmas hamper, which contains one pack each of dried shiitake mushrooms, dried oyster mushrooms and dried Asian-style mushrooms. Also, a jar of non-pareil capers, they're the small ones, which are considered to be the most desirable, Cantabrian uh, anchovies, a bottle of Spanish white wine, Finca Oscar Bartos Odeo, 2020 and a bottle of a Sardinian red wine Paso Antico 2019. The hamper is 49.99 and you can order from the Cambridge Mushrooms website. And Meadows gift hampers can be ordered now as well. They range from £30 to £150 and can be delivered nationwide. Orders placed before the 26th of November have 5% off if you're ordering 5 or more and 10% off if you're ordering 10 or more. Pint Shop's Christmas menu is available from 25th November to 23rd December. To book, email nat at pintshop.co.uk and Cam's Cuisine's Restaurant's Christmas menu and bookings have also opened. Freddie, the head chef at the Tickle Arms in Whittlesford, has some advice. Book early. To be honest, uh, Christmas Day here, we're looking fairly full as it stands now. I think there might only actually be two tables in here. You know what, yeah. Christmas parties, though, we're going to be running them from the uh, end of November, I believe. 26th, we're going to start running our Christmas party menus. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, book up 100%. Uh, We're looking forward Mm. to having everyone. You can get details of the Christmas menu for all Cam's Cuisine restaurants, which also include Millworks, Smokeworks, the Cambridge Chop House, Three Horseshoes in Maddingley, Crown and Punch Bowl in Horningsea and the Cock in Hemingford Grey on the Cam's Cuisine website and you can book from there too. Continuing the Christmas theme, Mill Road Butchers is now taking orders for Christmas and it will do so up until the 11th of December. Christmas orders are also being taken now at Malloy's Craft Butchery and Station Place, The Art of Meat in Arbury and Cousins in Grantchester Street. 
Malloy's has also started flavoured sausages every week. Mike Malloy explains. So we've been making a classic sausage um, out of Sicilian, which is fennel, garlic, chilli and parsley for a while now. I'm looking to expand our range. I currently make over 150 different types. Um, my colleague Rob makes another 100 types. So we're trying to bring sort of three or four flavours each week um, to make it new and exciting. We're looking at some sweeter flavours. This week we've got the apricot and coriander. We're making a bacon and blueberry sausage with some maple syrup, something nice and breakfasty. And then we've got all the sort of lamb maguez, the lamb and mint, and hundreds of other flavours. That's astonishing, 150 different flavors, different types yeah. of sausage. That's amazing. What? Extraordinary. Uh, yeah. Have you got a favourite? Uh, for me, the lamb maguez. Uh, they're a phenomenal sausage. Really good harissa, coriander, a little bit of mint and some chilli. Uh, just a really nice balance and, yeah, works well with a few different dishes. And and how do customers react? Do, do, they, do they share your uh, your joy with that particular one? Definitely, yeah. It's a very, very popular one. And, you know, we've got customers that come in each week specifically to see what new and exciting flavours we've got. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And and people can find out what you've got on Instagram, can they? Yeah, I'm going to try and post every Monday uh, with the new sausage flavours for the week. So that'll, yeah, ready for the weekend. So it'll be Thursday they get made. Um, so ready from Friday onwards. Breakfast is back at Scott's All Day in Mill Road, with pastries from Fitzbillies and coffee from Caravan Roastery. There's also items such as a baba ganoush, muffin meals and avocado smash. They're open Tuesday to Sunday from 10am. And the Linton Kitchen has now added Mondays to its open days. That's from 9 till 5pm. Prana in Mill Road has a Tiffin subscription service. They will deliver Tiffin to your door once a week, and the cost is nineteen ninety-five for two people. A new venue, Turing Lock, an apart hotel in Eddington has opened. Food is by Novi of Regent Street in Cambridge. There's an all-day restaurant called Kota, and the cocktail bar is operated by the makers and shakers of 196 Bar on Mill Road. And it all looks really stylish and features a rooftop terrace with great views. White Cottage Bakery has one or two places still available for its culinary retreat in Tuscany, which begins in just over a week's time. There'll be baking, cooking, cheesemaking, foraging and eating amongst the pleasures. You'll need to be double vaccinated and details can be found on the White Cottage Bakery website and we'll have more news coming up soon. This last Thursday was a very special night at the Tickle Arms in Whittlesford a celebration of a very maverick former owner. I went there earlier in the week to ask about it. I'm speaking to Oliver Thane, who is founder and MD of Cam's Cuisine, and we're sitting in the Tickle Arms. And with me also is Freddie Wall, the head chef of the Tickle Arms. And the reason why we're here is because, although you'll be listening to this Saturday, on Thursday is this most amazing event, and it is in honour of Squire Tickell. Why is this decision to go for the Squire revisiting the Tickell Arms, or not not as a ghost, but as a food persona? From uh, living in the area for years and years, when I first took over the job as head chef here, well, from all of my, my family and family friends was, oh, the Tickle Arms. And I heard all these amazing stories about the guy. And I think the Squire is almost more myth than man these days, I think. The beautiful thing about it is going to be is celebrating the past of the pub, the history of it, and the history of the village, which I think actually stands in a lot of people's minds. It's a shame when these things get lost, and I think it's important that we 
carry on the traditions, talk about the history and bring people together at the same time. What's behind all the dishes that you've chosen? Ah. Because he was a really interesting man, wasn't he? Um, mm. Joseph de la Testicel, mm. as he is known, um, although he did have another name as Joseph Horlick, I believe. Mm. He has other names he went by. Yeah. But he was one of early people who came up with really interesting dishes in the 70s. Yeah, so I think he's one of just one of these people who is an innovator of their time without even trying in a way. I think you've said it, Ollie, this was one of the first sort of gastro pubs. And for its time, if you look at the menu, it's got some really things that you, when you think about 70s and the 80s in England and you look at these menus and you think doing dishes with lots of olive oil and Imam Bialdi, this is one that we will talk about in a bit, which is uh, one that I know that you've got very fond memories of and you've written about before. But I think when you look at the sort of food that he was producing it is interesting for its time and it is innovative and I think now we might look at it and think oh it's old hat but actually I think he was a pioneer in, a, in many ways because there were people like Robert Carrier around at the time weren't there but again he was not so much for if outside of London so this was a guy outside of London doing really interesting dishes that mm. people came a long way to eat no absolutely and I, I think we're hoping that we can bring a little bit more of a modern twist on the palette and everything bring it into into what the realms of what we do in terms of our presentation our expectations there and all these things ultimately it is still very much the menu as it was described to me obviously in the format of the tasting menu so what are the dishes that are going to be featured on Thursday so we're kicking off with Siegfried's rough chop pate which as far as I understand was always around is always on the menu and served with his homemade granary bread which we're going to be hoping to replicate as well as he did it we're going to follow that with a salmon on papillot so this one is a little bit of an interpretation because uh, in those days he'd always have either a whole dressed salmon served on the bar but he would serve it out or he would have a I think what, what is yeah, it inside pike, it? I think pike. pike on there pike. before yeah. And so gather, yeah the inspiration for this dish is actually a story that I heard from someone where there was a, a man who was rather inebriated at the bar decided to help himself to uh, the salmon off the plate and the squire brought a fork screaming down and went almost through the man's hand and I uh, I thought well we've got to have something to do with dress salmon on there I think it'd be a shame not to uh, we also have juniper infused pheasant casserole and the idea behind that he was very much involved with all the hunts the shoots and so he would always had something coming in probably a brace of pheasants hanging by the back door at all times doing a juniper infused casserole which again juniper berries feature a lot on the, on his menu I believe and we've also got then a manbiaudi which is uh, this lovely beautiful smoked stuffed aubergine dish it essentially I mean it's, it, it translates as the salt and faints I believe yeah that should be really interesting and I think it's just actually that's the dish where I read it and I go like actually that wouldn't be far off some modern menus and again that's the where he really was shining moving on from that we're going for an apple strudel which I think to be honest with you that's more of a Siegfried. reflection of, is a Siegfried and yeah. maybe a reflection of the times as well and then uh, we're moving on to just a British cheese course and, and then we're going to be doing some homemade chocolates nice. so I'm going to be doing some nice chocolate truffles that'd be lovely there's a jazz band yeah exactly there's a bit of shenanigans that we can't really tell people what's oh. happening as well and it's going to be a big nod to the man it's going to be a Excellent. lot of fun so those people who are listening on Saturday this will already have taken place but you never know I think we'll do it every year Excellent. I think we're full 
So I think we'll probably end up doing it every year. I'm loving hearing Freddie and how his enthusiasm for the for the yes. menu. No, it's fantastic, no, Freddie. I, I think it's really brilliant. A lot of it was helped genuinely yeah. from reading uh, Sue's article. Yeah. Oh, thank you so nice. much. I, I did a lot of talking with locals and regulars mm. and everything like that. But actually, I read her article and do you know what? It's probably how well it was written. It's very inspiring to hear it. it as a chef, it, when I hear people talking passionately about food, that gets me excited. I think that's why, it's, uh, that's why I'm looking forward to it, to mm. be honest. But I'm also just looking forward to actually bringing together all these people who may say, I heard this, I heard that, and they can have somebody who might actually have the, the answer for them after all these years. <laughs> the other thing is, you're describing the menu there, of course we looked at it, and it wouldn't be out of place at all now. No. If you were to bring that on into this pub, yeah. and put those dishes into the men- yes. menu now, and just yes. infuse them into the menu, yes. a coarse pate, fantastic, no, no, get it no. on, dress salmon, etc. So, things haven't changed that much. Things haven't changed no, that much, no. but he was an innovator of his time, flavour-wise, yeah. he yeah. really was. Yeah. And as you say, yes, his dishes stayed out on the counter rather long than any environmental health inspector would like anymore. Well, but that, hey. but that was him all over. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he, you couldn't behave like he did now. Oh, no, he was and outrageous. Yeah, yeah, at all. And, and we've got many stories or heard many stories about him where you just think, actually, it's all very well, but actually in today's society, he would not last two minutes. In many ways, of course, that's a good thing and we don't want to get into the politics now. But on the other hand, it, it, we love characters. Myth over the man in many respects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I must admit, when I was writing up on the Cambridge Foodies website, Website. I had to be very careful. As swam you? naked in the pond. Did he? Uh, oh yeah. I mean, I think he, he swam naked in the pond with his dogs most morning. Which yeah. of course, there's nothing wrong with that. No, you can no. crack it on. Was you his can pond. crack on. It was his pond, and it was exactly. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he strolled through naked in the middle of service. He probably mm. did actually. <laughs> he may have. Done. Again, it's his pub. What the hell? We won't be doing that. Essentially, it's, it's actually it was your idea, Freddie and, and James, who's running this, the site, mm. um, the GM of the site to come up with this and I was thinking well the hell haven't we done this before and I'm so pleased that I shall be coming on Thursday that'd be brilliant well it was a wonderful evening the squire there was almost in person the food was really amazing and lived up to its reputation from the 1970s with a modern twist and the atmosphere was brilliant I'm really pleased the Tickle Arms is thinking of making it an annual event Some street food and pop-up news now. Parked up at Thirsty in Chesterton Road on the 12th of October will be Vonnie's Balkan Express. On the 13th, it will be the turn of Rotisserole. On the 14th, it's Pisa Mondo. On the 15th, Cook's Nest. And on the 16th, there will be Baxter's. The Plough in Shelford has Mr Taco with his Mexican food every Monday evening. And on the 12th of October, Gino's Pizza. The 13th Steak and Honour, the 19th Wandering Yak. Queen's Head in Newton has street food on a Wednesday evening. On 13th of October, it's Wandering Yak, 20th Rotisserole, 27th Pizza Mondo. Oyster Lab will be at the Plough in Shepreth on the 14th of October from 6pm and on the 7th and 21st of November they'll be having a tasting menu at Café Foy on the Quayside. Bookings are being taken now. Let's look at some wine news now. Cambridge Wine Merchants has a champagne tasting on the 19th of October and that's in the Bridge Street branch at 7.45. It's £40 per person and there'll be samples of six champagnes to try. To book, email bridge at cambridgewine.com and include a contact number. Also, October is Rioja month at Cambridge Wine Merchants and they are offering 10% of any three bottles and there's also a Rioja tasting flight at both Bridge Street and Cherry Hinton Road branches and you can taste four Riojas for £8. 
Cambridge Vinopolis in Devonshire Road has a tasting of Australian wines from 8 till 9pm on the 20th of October and on the 27th of October a tasting of the wines of the Loire Valley. You will sample six or more wines and have specially selected nibbles to accompany them. Book via the Cambridge Vinopolis website. And there's a wine tasting workshop at Mabel Fox in Green Street, featuring six different wines supplied by Great Britannia, along with nibbles and a display of candles by Lease Candles. There will be a special discount in the shop for the evening, and you'll also be able to buy the wines. There are only 10 places available for this night, which is from 7.30 to 9pm on Thursday the 21st of October, and the cost is £29 per head. Congratulations to Great Britannia in Arbury Road for winning Decanter Magazine's England and Wales Specialist Retailer Award, and that's for the second year running too. And many congratulations to David Underwood, founder of Oris & Sons, whose Even Flow has just won a gold award at the British Taste Awards. Good luck to Will Lowe of the Cambridge Distillery, who has begun his PhD at Corpus Christi College on quality in wines and spirits. And our final congratulations for today go to Noma in Copenhagen, which has just won the top spot in the world's 50 Best Restaurant Awards. In second place is Geranium, also in Copenhagen. Noma is £332 per head if you're interested, plus drinks. And it's interesting that in the top 10 are two Danish, two Spanish and two Peruvian restaurants, both in Lima, if you're thinking of going. The highest placed British restaurant is the Clove Club in Shoreditch, that's at number 32, where the tasting menu is £145 and the the wine pairings is the same amount. And it's also interesting that on TripAdvisor it's number 683 of 23,000 London restaurants. Much more affordable, L Events has a 10-course plant-based tasting menu from chef Jason Howard at Cambridge Cookery School on the 30th of October. Bookings are being taken now. Aromi in Bennett Street is closed for refurbishment and is hoping to reopen before Christmas. Takeaway food is available in the meantime from the window in their Pease Hill branch. Uh, there's no Mill Road Winter Fair this year. In its place are three monthly events at Donkey Common next to the swimming pool. Uh, today, Saturday, is the first. Uh, there'll be live music and lots of stalls. And among the stalls is Il Molino, who sell olive oil that comes from a farm in Italy, and the most superb jams from the same farm. And also Natsama's Chili Oils and Sauces. That's on now and finishes at 3.30. The next will be the 6th of November and then the 4th of December. And we'll have more news later in the programme. I'm free. I'm free. Here's where we bring you details of free food available now in and around Cambridge. And the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which is free to download. And there was plenty available around the city, starting with Angie, who had a massive bag of cheese crisps to give away. Helena and Sarah both had boxes of fruit and veg available, including mangoes, tomatoes, lettuces, mushrooms, sweet corn and melons. Carol on Cherry Hinton Road, meanwhile, was going for a medal with the amount that she was giving away. Several packs of sesame seed bagels, french fries, peppermint tea, hot soups from Pret-a-Manger. In fact, 
loads of things from Pret-a-Manger. Egg and spinach pots, Italian prosciutto baguettes, falafel, avocado and chipotle wraps, sandwiches, toasties, salads, you name it, it was all there. And it was all free, but it's all been claimed. But don't worry, because there is plenty of free food available locally every day. Just check out the Olio app. And there's another free app called Too Good To Go, and that has unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. And rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag, ready for you to take home instead of being binned at the end of the day's trading. Time for a two-minute break now, but we will be back with The Foraging Chef and a new restaurant in Hills Road. 105. Cambridge 105 Radio. Kickstart your weekend. Saturday Breakfast with Matt Webb. I'm here every weekend to get you moving. I have the latest from the Cambridge News Desk on the hour and half hour. Problems on the A14, Newmarket Road or Mill Road? Well, if there are, you'll be the first to know in the travel. There's a full sports roundup at 8.30, including what's happening at Cambridge United and our other local clubs. Plus a look at the Saturday papers and local online publications at 10 to 9. That's Saturday Breakfast with me, Matt Webb, this weekend from 8. If you're like me, you've got a family and a business. And you want to protect what's most important when the chips are down. With Woodfine Solicitors, that's exactly what happens. I got a bespoke legal service from a friendly expert team. They really listened to what was going on and tailored their recommendations to my situation, which was, well, that's another story. Anyway, the best thing was that it all happened online. A few simple clicks and I had my quote. That freed up time to focus on everything else. Get the help you need when you need it most. Visit woodfinds.co.uk or call Cambridge 411421. Woodfinds, cutting through the red tape. What does your home need to feel complete? Gap Home Improvements have been helping customers give their properties that curb appeal for over 20 years. You've seen our vans in your area providing dedicated support to families across Cambridgeshire. Windows, doors, garden rooms, conservatories and warm roofs. We offer free quotations in a pressure-free environment. In person, on the phone or by video call, our consultants will help you realise your property's true potential. Call Cambridge 914567 or visit gaphomeimprovements.co.uk today. Welcome back to Flavour, and it's time to catch up with Steve Thompson, the foraging chef, to hear about what's good to forage at the moment and about his forthcoming pop-ups. Finally, the UK mushroom season has started. The wet has helped. The fact that we've just had a really warm September has helped. First of all, mushrooms don't just need water. A bit of warm, a bit of wet, a bit of warm, a bit of wet. That's what really brings them through. So that's what we've had for a bit. The ground's been nice and warm. We've got the wet. They're starting to pop up now. So get out to your local woods your local fields and have a look and see what's about but first of all we're going to just dispel a few common myths and then we'll go into what we've been picking in the local area at the moment first common myth that always goes around mushrooms are not dangerous to touch there is no mushroom that grows in the uk that is dangerous to touch there is an argument for there's no mushroom in the world but that's a different thing even the death caps which are quite rare to find around here absolutely safe to touch It is physical ingestion that does damage. So please pick the mushrooms. It helps you identify them. That leads me on to the second point. There is nothing wrong with picking mushrooms. Mushrooms are the fruiting body of the myocellum. It's no different to picking an apple off a tree. So a lot of people will say, cut. You have to cut your mushrooms. It does damage. Don't pick them. Look at them. Don't pick them unless you've identified it. All these silly things. 
you need to pick them and you need to pick the whole peg to be able to identify certain types of mushrooms. It's important. Okay, maybe don't go out and pick hundreds if you're not sure what it is. Pick three or four and try and get different ages of the mushroom. It will help you with things like that because they look different in different stages. You want to cut them in half, get cross sections. Spore prints less so. It might help you in the earlier stages. And there's there's certain genuses of mushrooms that you might want a spore print just to make sure. Like identifying the Miller mushroom, say, for instance, just to make sure you want to check that it's got the right colour spores. Pick your mushrooms, absolutely fine. It's a fruiting body. Again, I don't know where I stand. I mean, the whole amount you pick, there's so many different rules. People say, oh, yeah, I only pick a quarter of what you find. But what if there's one? Are you picking a quarter of one mushroom? <laughs> one large hen of the woods, say? Be responsible. See what you've got around. What you've got to remember is we're quite arrogant where we think that little things like this, we can do such damage. Yes, if we do it en masse, but if we're careful and we're gentle and we respect nature, we're okay. And... of mushrooms that grow will never be seen by human eyes. There's just not the chance that you've picked an entire ring there. There's probably another one two feet away. And it's, again, it's the fruiting body. They'll come back next year. Leave the young ones, leave the old ones, pick the prime ones. They come up at different stages. So you're always going to be leaving something there. It's, It's a massive argument that you see go everywhere. But just be responsible. Don't stamp around. Don't leave litter, which is the worst thing in the world. What we have been looking for at the moment is different woods bring different things. Yeah, you've got set mushrooms popping up at the moment, the lovely Belita sedulis. Um, You've got parasols that are just coming up around here, the Macro Lepiota Pracera. Cambridge is a funny one for mushrooms. We get a lot later in the year, so the field bluets and the trooping funnel mushrooms will really come through and be fantastic, sort of November, early December time, which is really good. But this time, the sort of prime mushrooms like your chanterelles, your winter chanterelles, all those kind of things, you really need to get up to Norfolk on the sandy soil. And then you'll start to find those up there. But around Cambridgeshire, not so much. But what is wonderful, and is mushrooms that are really underrated, is a lot of the um, more satrophic mushrooms, which are the ones that grow off deadwoods. So go out and have a look in your local woods for things like dried saddles, which are so named when you find them because they do look like a kind of saddle growing off the side of a tree. They're a fantastic mushroom for flavour. They really are great. Anything bigger than a side plate size, you're not going to want to cut up and fry in a pan because they can be really tough. But I don't even like the small ones done like that. I think it's a waste. So what we do is we chop them up, we dehydrate them, and we grind them up into a powder. You can make wonderful little broths with them then. We use them quite a lot in desserts, but that's more with our funky style of cooking. Something you might want to try actually dessert-wise at home is if you're making sticky toffee pudding, is chuck some of the powder through your butterscotch sauce. A dried saddle butterscotch sauce is absolutely amazing. It's something you've got to try. So it's very simple. Just put a couple of teaspoons per portion well maybe one teaspoon per portion into your butterscotch sauce and chuck it in with your butter and your sugar when you do it at the beginning so it cooks that powdery flavor out it's really worth a try but they're a really good mushroom and websites like wild food uk if you type them into a search there then they've got really good step-by-step guides to identify basically but it's an easy one you can't really get that wrong okay and there's not much else again you can mistake it for not really no i mean nothing certainly nothing dangerous but if you've got an attention to detail no it doesn't really look like any of the other brackets Another good one is oyster mushrooms. They're starting to really pop up as well. They're another deadwood one. In the woods near me at the moment, I won't say where because I don't want everyone to flock, but there's loads and loads of branching oyster mushrooms. So we've got all them pickling down at the moment. Again, oyster mushrooms, if it's grown on deadwood, the gills are going the whole way down the stem as well. It's, it's a fairly good identification, but 
If you're unsure, again, you can either take pictures, send them to us on social media, we're always happy to have a look, or get on the Wild Food UK websites and have a look. But yeah, oyster mushrooms, all their different varieties are a good one to have a look for at the moment. Other types of mushrooms that would be good to look for at the moment are the parasol mushrooms that we mentioned earlier. They're a really nice one to identify. They're nice and simple. They're a good beginner mushroom. They're so-called parasol mushroom because they are big. They look like a parasol. They've got really nice long stems with a big thick bulb at the bottom. They have a movable ring on their stem. And another key identification is at the bottom of the stem, it's got a really nice snakeskin pattern. And if you pick them and have a look at that snakeskin pattern closer, you can rub it off. And that's a really nice identification feature on it. Mm. Have a look on the Wild Food UK websites, websites like that. Good identification features. Mm. A really good way to see what other people are picking at the moment and what is going on in your local area is to join Facebook groups. Local Facebook groups, there's Cambridge Foraging and Food for Free, I think it's called. That's a good one to get into. But more national ones as well. Things like UK Wild Food Larder, Foraging and Folklore... Just t- type in foraging into your group searches and have a look. Some of the big groups, Mushroom Foraging UK, things like that, you can see what other people are picking and then you can get a rough idea of what is going to be around in your area. And it gives you a chance to identify other people's finds because people will post up there for identification. So it gives you a really good chance to hone your skills with mushrooms you might not necessarily find in your local area. Of course, from a sort of chef point of view, you've got your own foraging chef now new website haven't you as well as your facebook page yes we do yes so you can find us on www.theforagingchef.co.uk we've got pop-ups up there that announcing so you can buy tickets for our pop-ups that we've got available you can book us for foraging courses the plan is that we will have some of our recipes that we have on our social medias up on the website soon and yeah it's it's going to be growing and there'll be more and more interaction that you can do with us on there and you're doing some foraging chef foraging courses aren't you i believe at the moment for specialist chefs we've got coming up we've got a really cool event which i think there's still a few tickets for which is on the uh, 17th 18th and 19th of october and it's up in the kettering area it's with some guys called the burnt lemon chefs so if you check out burnt lemon chefs google them come up with their website you can book tickets through there they're doing a barbecue masterclass. these guys are brilliant really really good chefs and work really well with barbecue and fire cooking so they're going to let you into their world and a few little secrets on how to cook properly with fire and we're also doing a little 45 minute talk on each day with some foraging with preserving how to get the most out of what you've found so that's going to be really fun exciting little thing we've got pop-ups coming up we've got one in Stroud which is sold out so sadly you can't come but we've just announced one in uh, Hampshire in Lymington by the New Forest and we're hoping to have a Cambridgeshire date before the end of the year so do keep a look on our social media and our website. The aim is to have one before the year is out in Cambridgeshire. If not, it'll be the early part of next, but we're going to hopefully be around here for a bit. That's really good news. So mushrooms really are the thing to be looking for this month. I think so. They're the uh, the new exciting thing that's popping up. Keep a lookout for your little spring greens that are coming back for their second growth. There's some nice dandelion leaves at the moment. The nettles are coming back up. The jack by the hedge is just starting to shoot through again. We've got some fat hen around, all those nice little greens that come through. Some of them late summer, some of them early spring. And then, yeah, keep an eye on your hedgerows still. Blackberry's pretty much done now. It's after Michaelmas Day. So the devil Ooh, is... it is too. The devil has weed on them and they're done. Oh, blast! <laughs> and we haven't done our blackberries yet. I didn't get many this year at all, to be honest. But yeah. yeah, keep an eye. We'll talk about a bit more about rose hips and stuff next month because they'll be in prime when we've hopefully had the first frost. And yeah, hawthorn berries, things like that at the moment. Keep an eye on the hedgerows, but mushrooms is a real exciting key.
and a further reminder that you do need to check very carefully what you've picked before you eat it. And if foraging isn't your scene, but mushrooms are, there are some French black trompette mushrooms in stock at Shelford Deli at the moment. G&M Food, the serve-yourself stall at the Cambridge Market, always has a good selection of mushrooms too. And also check out Culinaris in Mill Road and the Cambridge Cheese Company in All Saints Passage. Some more news now. Uh, Cambridge Sustainable Foods Eat for Our Future events continue today, Saturday the 9th of October, until 3pm at Cambridge's Market Square, where they'll be helping people to learn more, get involved and make their pledge to eat a climate diet. On Sunday the 17th of October from 9.30 to 11am, there is a free online event hosted by Cambridge City Council. It's a series of talks providing an opportunity for Cambridge residents to hear about practical steps that they can take to help the city of Cambridge reach net zero carbon emissions. Sam Dyer from Cambridge Sustainable Food will talk about the newly launched Climate Diets Pledge and why food is so important. There will also be an opportunity to sign the pledge. On Wednesday the 20th of October at 6pm, there is a free online panel event from the University of Cambridge offering expert advice on how to eat a climate diet, featuring Dr Giles Yeo as chair, eminent researchers Dr Sarah Briddle and Emma Garnett, chef and Times Top 100 restaurateur, our very own Alex Rushmer and also local city councillor Alex Collis. It's called Food for Our Future, Your Climate Diet Questions Answered. On Hills Road near the Botanic Garden is a new cafe stroke restaurant. It's called Low Carbo. Now their core concept is low carb and no sugar. It's run by a mechanical engineer called Colin Lacey and he describes himself as a complete novice in the restaurant business whose talent lies in eating food, sometimes too much of it. And he became aware of why he needed to change that attitude to regain control of weight, blood pressure, blood sugar levels. And when he did, he thought, well, here's an opportunity to offer something similar in cafe form. Healthy food that doesn't leave you bouncing off the walls. Only natural sugars on his menu. Here's Colin. I mean, we started with actually a very basic recipe. One of the challenges that I found in the past when we were looking at this whole low-carb routine was that if you wanted to go out and get lunch, typically what I would call the carrier is bread. So we wanted to come up with something that would replace the bread, easy to cook and nutritious, which is where we came up with egg rolls. We have a three-egg omelette that we use as a wrap. Yeah. That works. I mean, our, our Asian roll. Asian roll. It's got pak choy, tofu, bean sprouts, bit of seaweed, and hoisin sauce, sesame, all the works. That's a really popular omelette. That and the slow and low, I think, are the... These two are the most popular ones. Asian is like Asia in an omelette. So Asian people love omelette. They love eggs in general. And what we're serving with, the hoisin sauce is there, the bean sprout is there, the pak choy is there, the taste is there, tofu is there. It's not heavy, it's quite nice, it's consistent, and they have a nice Asian toast. If they are looking for like a vegetarian option, I would say, Asian roll is the first choice. We use a small free-range farm just outside Royston. I literally drive up and pick up 30 dozen eggs and bring them to the restaurant. The same with berries and nuts, you know, they're simple foods. A lot of them are naturally sweet. 
blueberries, which we use in our blueberry bundt cake. So we don't have to add sugar. You know, we do use some kind of plant-based sweeteners. But for the most part, we try and stick with the natural flavors. And it works. You know, one of the challenges you face quite often with low-carb food is that uh, you lose some of the taste and the sweetness because you're not adding sugar and flour and refined carbs to it. But what we try to do is balance that. We use almond flour, for example, which is delicious. It's different to normal kind of wheat-based flour, but it's perfectly acceptable. And actually, the almond bread has uh, proven to be very popular. Look, we all love bread. Maybe I'm want you. Okay, not that kind of bread. So we knew we needed a bread on the menu as such, but we wanted it to be low-carb, which is why we went for the almond bread. Low-carb. It's in their name. Low-carb does not mean no-carb. It just means low. You know, freshly cooked food. We don't add any artificial ingredients. We cook the food from scratch. Yes, we do buy in sauces and things like that, which are still a challenge because they're probably the highest carb items that we have on, on the menu. Um, but thankfully, they're a choice. So this almond bread, Colin calls it his revolution bread. Yeah, that was my stepson's words for it. But it is interesting because we cook it freshly on site here, but we, we also toast it and then offer it with various uh, kind of a spicy butter or with the uh, fruit compote. But we've had people come and say, well, can we buy a loaf? You know, and the same with cakes, actually. We've had, we've had people come from London and buy our blueberry bunt cakes whole. It's just funny how things evolve. The good thing for us is because we're not using flour, they also cater for other people who've got, you know, dietary restrictions that they've got to be conscious of. And that is something that Colin is all too familiar with. You know, I was diagnosed a number of years ago with type 2 diabetes. But I knew what I was doing wrong, but I just couldn't seem to do anything about it because you get in, hooked into that yo-yo cycle of trying every diet that's been out there and they work for a little while and then you go back to old habits and equally recognizing that you know, type 2 diabetes is a serious disease. You know, my medication was increasing. The more I started to realize what was going on, the more I, I understood that if I didn't do something, I would probably face one of the complications of type 2 diabetes. Things like blindness, amputations you know i'm not completely up to date on all the statistics but you know there's an awful lot of people in the uk with type 2 diabetes now and probably even an awful lot more who've got pre-diabetic conditions who don't know but you've got to treat the cause you can't just treat the disease afterwards by throwing increased levels of medicine so i came to a realization actually and it was it was partly through being worried about covid and the fact that a lot of people who were dying during COVID were also obese, but also recognizing that my diabetes symptoms were really only going in one direction. We all have to make a choice. And, and one of the things behind low carb was to give the opportunity to make a positive choice. But it, it works for me, but it's not for everybody. So we just want to offer people the opportunity and also maybe just to recognize that you can eat great tasting food, freshly prepared. It doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg and it's good for you. We're a small family-run business. In everything that we've done, we've tried to be natural. And we wanted to support local businesses. I don't live too far from Hot Numbers in Melbourne. They have a lovely roastery. You know, you go in there and literally watch the coffee being roasted. Yeah, they gave us some free samples to try out. I mean, the breakfast wine is lovely. We drink it at home now. 
but they were so supportive. They came and they've trained the people. We get our tea from them as well. Yeah, it's the same with some of the other suppliers we have, you know, with Cambridge Quality Meats. It's another small company based by the corner of Arbury and Milton Road. Great meat, great quality. You don't want food that's travelling thousands of miles to kind of get you in the end. That kind of defeats the purpose. One of the challenges when you have a, a cafe is to have a suitable sweet treat. Which would you say is our most popular? The blueberry bun cake. It's gluten-free, it's light and it's tasty. It's just uh, the small thing that people are looking for when they have an afternoon tea or afternoon coffee or late lunch and they just want something sweet. They will always go for the blueberry bun cake. Sometimes taking a brownie away. Once again, it's the low-carb version. We do use the lowest sugar chocolate that we could find, you know, very uh, dark chocolate. Um, the other one, actually, which was a bit of a revelation, what we call the, um, uh, the peanut butter melts. And the reason we call them melts is that they do actually melt in your mouth. So they're not like a dry peanut butter. It is effectively like a biscuit, but because it's done with peanut butter, it's got that kind of natural fat and flavor from the peanut butter, and we don't add any sugar to it, but they're quite popular. And then we wanted to have some other offers that were low carb, but also covered more of the what I would call the day parts. So for example, we've steak, salmon filet, pulled pork, we literally roast it overnight for eight hours, which is a slow cook, so the meat almost disintegrates. Our pulled pork is quite amazing, I have to say. It's the most popular one, and that's the one uh, we sell the most, like pulled pork, everything homemade. With a pit bean, it's wonderful. And the nice touch with our omelette, the slow and low, is the Alabama sauce and the spiced cheese on top. It's just a cherry on top of the cake. <laughs> Alabama sauce? Alabama sauce, yes. It's a yogurt base with mustard. It's not like a heavy kind of like mayonnaise, but it does have the taste and the whole chemistry of the dish is there. I mean, it's really amazing. It's just an explosion in the mouth. Colin's always developing his menu. As we sat there, one of his chefs brought over a new dish. So this is your almond bread made into a burger bun with fresh salad greens, your house-made beef burgers from your local butchers, with cheddar cheese, and then we've made a quick dressing with uh, mayonnaise, sun-dried tomatoes, and pickle slices. The almond bun stands up pretty well, actually. Got a nice colour. One of the things that we've always wanted to do was expand the menu. We've had a team of executive chefs working now on a new offering, which will be coming out a little bit later on in October, which is a tower burger using almond bread and then there'll be a choice of filling so we'll have a classic beef burger but you'll be able to get a chicken burger we'll be able to do a pulled pork and some options then for sides whether that's cauliflower cheese butternut squash the key here is uh, like all burgers is to make sure that the mouth feel and the taste is there and it's not too heavy you know the bread is it's got its own texture it's not a classic burger bun but it's a good it's a good carrier and it absorbs the sauce and the juices from the meat and the meat is delicious actually very succulent part of our ethos is not to use flour so we use almond as, as the substitute for flour classically we've been doing an almond bread loaf but you know the classic burger is still a real go-to item for most people so you know we've been experimenting with trying to get that right texture 
bit of a challenge, but I'm very pleased with the uh, with the result. I think it looks great. It tastes wonderful. Well, this will be on the uh, on the menu literally within the next week or so. Good stuff. Do you want to try a piece? I know you don't normally, but... Yeah, that's us. Low Carbo at 60 Hills Road. We are open seven days a week. So I guess it just remains for me to say thank you very much, Colin and Clara. It's been nice to chat to you. And you're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> They're open till quite late, too. 9pm on weekdays, with couches, plenty of charge points for laptops and phones, because, well, that's important these days. Lovely food, too. I had to try their new low-carb burger, which they were testing that day, with the almond bread bap and crunchy salad. Really gorgeous, all held together perfectly. Felt premium. And that is Green Onions signalling the start of our jobs section. Steak and Honour is looking for team members, both full-time and part-time. Email hello at steakandhonour.co.uk. An assistant manager is needed at Burwash Larder. Experience is not essential. Training will be given. It's a 40-hour week and includes some weekends. You'll be responsible for customer service, team management including rotor work, marketing, finances and other things. You get store discounts, a free lunch and many free samples. Email your CV with a covering letter to info at burwashlader.com. Fitzbillies is looking for people to join the team in the Bridge Street branch. Perks include staff lunch on shift, 50% discount for up to four people when dining in either branch, there's no evening or late work, at least three socials a year, time off during Christmas and New Year, and career progression. To find out about the roles available, email mishi, M-I-S-H-I, at fitzbillies.com. Uh, a quick rundown of a few more vacancies now. Uh, apply via the company's website or pop in at a quiet time for a chat. Aromi needs a pizza chef. This is a full-time permanent position with 28 days holiday a year. A sous chef is needed at Pint Shop. An excellent, experienced pastry chef is needed at Newnham College and a senior chef de partie is required at Downing College. A sous chef is needed at the new eatery in Sawston. It's called The Green Room. A head chef is needed at The Three Horseshoes in Maddingley, and you can apply via the Cam's Cuisine website. Honest Burgers in Wheeler Street needs a head chef, and also in Wheeler Street, a chef is needed at Sticks and Sushi. Midsummer House is looking for a commis sommelier, working four days a week with five weeks holiday. To apply, send Nicole an email admin at midsummerhouse.co.uk And that is all the time that we've got for today. Don't forget though, Flavour will be here on alternate Saturdays at 12 noon, repeated on Mondays at 6pm, Thursdays at 2pm, and we will also be available via podcast forever early next week. Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1 o'clock is the business of Cambridge and at 1.30 are waltz in New Orleans where a tall story and hot jazz meet. It's the yarn of the greatest jazz musician you've never heard of. The play was created for Black History Month and it's funded by the Arts Council and it sounds like a good listen. Uh, but that's all from us. We'll be back on the 23rd of October with lots more food and drink news, jobs and features. But until then, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.